We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Some would say, my preacher is better than your preacher. I am of Apollos. And others would say, my pastor is better than your pastor. I am of Paul. It resembled the kind of worship that goes on in rock stars and rock concerts. It's okay to respect a church leader, and that's appropriate. It's not okay to worship them. A real issue that was taking place here at the church at Corinth. We are looking at 1 Corinthians today. It's there that we catch up with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands here in San Bruno. Welcome to Study Verse by Verse. We're looking at leadership today and what proper leadership should really look like as opposed to what it was looking like there at the church at Corinth. With more, here's Pastor Layton on today's edition of Study Verse by Verse. Paul was no slouch at preaching, but evidently Apollos was an exceptionally gifted and eloquent preacher. And although it's never been officially attributed to him, some of the early church leaders believe it was Apollos that wrote the book of Hebrews. The story continues. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Now, Priscilla and Aquila are only mentioned a few times in scriptures, only in passing. None of the books of the Bible are attributed to them, and yet their influence upon Apollos Uh, had a great benefit for the kingdom of God. And who knows what student sitting in one of the classrooms of one of our Sunday school teachers might be the Apollos of the next generation. The story continues. It tells us that Apollos uh, knew his scripture and he was persuasive in argument. He was he was personally he was very loyal and he was very honorable. But his uh, his visit to Corinth had done mischief. His impassioned oratory, his Alexandrian refinements, his allegorizing exegesis, his polish and culture of his style had all charmed those Corinthians. And so his party was the party of culture. From later in this book, we find out that they had exaggerated, his followers had exaggerated the teachings of Paul into a caricature of what Paul intended them to be. And they were puffed up with conceit of knowledge And yet they had fallen into moral inconsistency. Chapter 16 tells us that under the circumstances, Apollos refused to visit Corinth. And he was quite disgusted with how he had been drawn into this division in the church. Now the third person that Paul mentions is Cephas. Cephas is the Aramaic form of the Greek name Peter. So what do we know about Peter? Well, Peter was chosen by Jesus to be the leader of the apostles. Peter was a part of the inner circle. He was part of the three, he and the sons of Zebedee. Unlike Apollos and unlike Paul, Peter was an uneducated man. He was a fisherman by trade, but what he lacked in education, he more than compensated for in passion. When you read through the Gospels, this is the apostle who asks the most questions. 
It's Peter who walks on water. He was the only one to get out of the boat. Forget being cerebral about life. He wanted to experience it. Forget using the head. Peter thought with his heart. But sometimes he would speak before thinking. And it was Peter who made the boastful claim, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Peter was all heart. And God loves diversity. And when I use that word, I mean it in its original meaning, not what it's become twisted to mean. You know, God made each one of these men unique. One was known for his mind, another for his mouth, another for his heart. Each had their own style, and yet God used all three for his glory. But there were certain believers in Corinth who elevated one above the other. They put their favorite on a pedestal. Some would say, my preacher is better than your preacher. I am of Apollos. And others would say, my pastor is better than your pastor. I am of Paul. It resembled the kind of worship that goes on in rock stars and rock concerts. It's okay to respect a church leader, and that's appropriate. It's not okay to worship them. Now, this kind of divisive nonsense still continues to happen in churches today. I've heard people say, well, my preacher is more precise than your preacher. And others say, you need to come hear my preacher. His stories can make you laugh. That kind of divisive nonsense continues even today. And there's still a tendency for members to put their leaders on pedestals. You know, this week, uh, someone that's really new to their faith uh, called me a holy man. And uh, it was because I'm a leader in this church. Please don't call me a holy man. <laughs> don't call me reverend. Please don't call me father. We only have one father. He is in heaven. <laughs> now, if somebody does call me father, I'm not going to correct them on the spot. But we're family, and I'm just wanting to make clear on this. Somewhere in their background... They had that reference, and that concept had been modeled to them. Well, question, if the church leaders are holy men, what does that imply about the rest of the church members? They're less holy? This is a, pie, a, a paradigm that has been fastened in the minds of many American Christians, that this, the church leaders are called to a higher calling. In fact, that's what some preachers say from the pulpit, I have been called to the highest calling. Well, what does that imply? If you haven't been called as a preacher, then you've been called to a lower calling. If you've been called and gifted by God to be a Christian secretary, or a plumber, or a construction worker, or a businessman, then your calling is lower than being called to be a preacher. And if your calling is lower, maybe your value is lower also. Now, is that a biblical concept? No, it's not. That's not what the Bible teaches. What does the Bible teach? Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and following. For we are now all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and we have been baptized into union with Christ, are enveloped by him. We are no longer Jews or Gentiles or slaves or free men or even merely men or women, but we are all the same. We are Christians. We are one in Christ Jesus. Now let me ask you this question. Uh, women, when you became a believer, did you cease to be a woman? 
Men, when you became a believer, did you cease to be a man? If you were born Jewish, did you cease to be Jewish? So obviously, this is not talking about a physical change. So what does it mean? What it means is that the formulas used by this world to value one person above another are no longer meaningful. That Christ loves each and every one of us the same and values each and every one of us the same. Now, how, do, how does that work out? Well, in many cultures of the world, women are considered second-class citizens. In some cases, they're even bought and sold like, like cattle and treated like property. They are devalued as human beings. But Christ treated women with respect. And in Christ, we are all the same. God does not value a man greater than a woman simply because of gender. That formula that used to be used in the world has been thrown out. What about Jews and Gentiles? You know, Jews consider themselves to be of greater value to God because they were the descendants of Abraham. They were the holy ones. They were set apart. They were God's chosen people. They were the elect. They were the blessed. They were the ones in whom God had entrusted his oracles. God was interested in them. God's attention was on them. But not the Gentiles. But the scriptures teach us that in Christ everyone is the same. There are no holy ones. There are no Jews and Gentiles. Everyone is the same before the Lord. He is interested and values each of us the same. And that's what the Bible says about uh, every believer. In the start of First Corinthians it says, Under the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified... That is, made holy in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, that is, called to act holy with all that in every place call upon the name of Christ Jesus our Lord. So, who is called holy? Everyone who in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, there are several dangers in manufacturing this artificial distinction between people who are elevated on a pedestal and called holy compared to the rest of us. One danger in calling those in church leadership holding or or setting them on a pedestal is that it attracts to church leadership people who are not called by God, but rather called by ego. They step into leadership because they want to look down from the perch of the pedestal. They want to think that they're more important to God than others or that others think they're more important. And the truth is that these are unhealthy people, and they make for unhealthy leaders. And there are far too many churches across America today who are led not by people who have been called and gifted by God for leadership, but rather by the lure of the pedestal. What does Paul say at the beginning of 1 Corinthians? He says, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Paul was not in church leadership because he was more holy than anyone else. In fact, he referred to himself as the chiefest of sinners. He was in church leadership because he was called by God to that role. There's another danger in elevating some because it gives the rest an excuse to be less holy. Sometimes you'll hear people say, can a priest do that? Or how could a pastor do that? When in reality, the question should be, how can a Christian do that? 
If you have called on the name of the Lord, then the Bible says that you are called holy and you're called to be holy. And what is right for a church leader is right for you. And what is wrong for a church leader is wrong for you. There is no double standard with God. Now, there's a third reason why leaders in the church should not be put on pedestals. And that is when people fall, someone gets hurt. The greater the height, the greater the hurt. If we fall down in the kitchen, it hurts. If we fall down a flight of stairs, it probably hurts more. The greater the height, the greater the hurt. What's the old saying? The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Well, we'll go on to consider this further tomorrow here on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. Thank you for joining us here today. We trust you've been encouraged as we continue our walk through 1 Corinthians. We'll continue that walk tomorrow and throughout the rest of this week. In the meantime, if you would like to learn about us here at Study Verse by Verse or the church where Pastor Leighton Sheely serves, Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, we invite you to visit our website, highlands.us, highlands.us. And we'll see you tomorrow for another broadcast of Study Verse by Verse.